Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Carter to the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Damon Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. And Damon, uh, make sure Mark Ross, XFL Executive Vice President, is going to be joining us in studio. Make sure there's a, set, a headset there for him available uh, when he gets there. Uh, but he'll be joining us in a few minutes there live in studio. Excited to talk to him about the XFL. But also wanted to talk with you and, and get your thoughts on some of the latest news that have been coming out around the silver and black. The first question that we had was, what does the ideal offseason look like for you? from the Raiders' point of view. What does the ideal offseason look like as far as what the Raiders need to do in your eyes? We've already shared kind of what we're looking at, what we're thinking, but what do you think the ideal offseason? If the Raiders follow this blueprint this offseason, then they'll be where you think that they need to be. That's the question that I'm throwing out there to you at 702-365-9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Also talking about the the report from Adam Schefter about uh, Derek Carr. He said Raiders already have granted quarterback Derek Carr permission to speak with other teams interested in trading for him that have also agreed to compensation with Las Vegas. It's the same arrangement the Texans had with quarterback Deshaun Watson last offseason. And then also talking about Former Commanders Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner set to join Josh McDaniel's staff with the Raiders with the elevated pass game role, a key hire in Las Vegas. And again, make no mistake about it, he is not, and I repeat again, he is not the offensive coordinator. It is not his offense. He is just a sharp uh, football mind, comes from a, a sharp uh, football family. Norv Turner is his dad. Uh, he's been around the NFL for a very long time. So it's another set of eyes. Uh, you know, maybe another philosophy that he sits down and talks with Josh McDaniels and they, you know, add something to the offense that the Raiders already have, but it's not his scheme. So we're just kind of asking you your thoughts on those different subjects. Uh, Paul hit us up on Twitter and said, Q, makes no sense for Carr to allow a trade unless D.A. is going with them. And D.A. is Devontae Adams. And I'll say this, that I don't think these two things have anything to do with each other, right? I know Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are close, but I don't believe that you're going to get Derek Carr and Devontae Adams as a package deal. I don't see that happening. I know that Derek Carr and, and, and them are close, and I know that Devontae Adams uh, came to the Raiders to play with Carr. He also came to the Raiders to play for his childhood team. Excuse me. That was his dream was to, to join the Silver and Black, and that's exactly what he did, right? So I don't think that those two things uh, coexist. Uh, also got hit up by uh, Jack on Twitter. So I see with everybody wanting Stidham to be the starter with the rookie backup, y'all are expecting the Raiders to be trash next year because Stidham ain't it. So that's from Jack and – Look, I, I'm, I'm in that category. Not that the Raiders are going to be trash if Jared Stidham starts. I just think that the expectations should be higher. right? I think that Jared Stidham is a really good backup, and I think he's very valuable to the Raiders organization and the team, especially since he knows Josh Daniels' offense. I just don't think he's a real deal starter. Now, if he goes in there in the training camp and all of a sudden he battles it out and he's, he's looking fantastic, I will be gladly wrong. But I, I kind of feel like he is a really good backup, and that's, oh, that's a good job. That's not a bad job to have. I just think that that's who he is. But that's, that's just my opinion. So uh, I'm kind of with Jack right there, even though I don't think that the Raiders are going to be trash. But I understand what he means by that. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Fish in Berkeley. Welcome to the show, brother. Woo! 
Hey, man, I, uh, you and DeMond are straight comedy. I absolutely love it. Uh, but, uh, offseason, I just go regurgitate what I said because I'm pounding the table until it has a fist size hole through it. That you take the number seven, stand pat, or trade it up, okay, or out, or whatever the correct term is, where you're getting a first or second rounder hopefully next year. And your first four picks this year, defense or O line, and then do what you can to make the playoffs with Stidham or whoever. And as a side note, in my opinion only, if, if, and I'm not saying I want it or not, if Aaron Rodgers is on the table, if that's where we're going to go, other than that, ride with Stidham. Then that's just my opinion. And then next year, if we made the playoffs, boom, look at all the draft picks you got. And if you still need a QB, then damn it, go get your Drake Mays or Caleb Williams and handle your business. But it's important that we address both sides of the ball on the line of scrimmage. I am frustrated beyond frustration. And one more side note, look, Raider Nation, this is speculation season. Between now and next week, Carr may be our starting quarterback, getting traded for nothing. We don't know. So just stay the course. Uh, Show up, show out, and Howard just win, baby, when you go out. Thank you so much for that, Raider Fish in Berkeley. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much. It's, it's The thing about this team is there's so much more that needs to be addressed than just the quarterback position. But, unfortunately, it all starts with the quarterback position, right? I mean, it's hard to build a team uh, around and start to really talk about, okay, well, you add this guy and you add this guy. It's so hard to talk about it until you know who the head of the snake is. And that's the quarterback, right? I mean, you've got to know who the trigger man is to start building everything around. So until we start getting some clarity on, our, on that situation, it's really hard to see exactly how this team is going to be put together this upcoming uh, season. But it's, it's, I'll tell you what, it'll, be a, it'll always be something. There's always some kind of news and notes that are coming out uh, related with the, the silver and black. Jim from Yonkers hit us up and said, maybe Turner could have helped this year's situation. Ideal offseason. Top 15 defense is created. Add Lovey Smith to the defensive staff. The more knowledge, the better. Offense, Aaron Rodgers without giving up the farm and keep this year's first-round pick. We could trade down and get more picks if Rodgers is acquired. Teams will be teams who want teams will be teams who want number seven. We could draft a quarterback later on or Stidham backing up Rodgers. Might be a pipe dream. Thank you, Q and D. That's Jim in Yonkers. And that that would be cool with me is have Stidham being the backup for Rodgers. Right. I mean, I, I just and I know a lot of people say, well, how do you know Rogers is going to pick up the offense? Look, he's sharp enough to know what he's doing. He ain't no dummy. Right. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback for a reason. He'll be able to go in there and open things up. And I, and I honestly believe this, too. I think Josh McDaniels will be more willing to open things up with the Aaron Rodgers behind center because he trusts him more. And I, I don't know for what reason. I don't know what Derek Carr showed or didn't show that didn't have Josh McDaniels trusting him. But to me, it didn't feel like he trusted him. It felt like he got very conservative with play calling, and he didn't let Carr sling it. What game was that, DeMond, where Derek only threw the ball like seven times in the second half? Was that Pittsburgh game? I don't know what game that was. But, there, I mean, it just, it just felt like they just didn't – they took almost the ball out of his hands at times. And I don't know exactly why. I have no idea, but it just felt to me, and this is just me speaking, that they didn't really – trust him or Josh McDaniels didn't trust him to execute the offense on the level that he wanted I think he would have no problem trusting Aaron Rodgers clearly he trusts Jared Stidham didn't it feel like to me I mean correct me if I'm wrong Damon. in the in the uh the game against San Francisco didn't it seem like he kind of opened it up for Jared Stidham 
Oh, yeah, 1,000%. And I think could it have been the Jaguars game? No. I'm really trying to think of that game that, that you mentioned about him. But I remember talking ball. about it quite a bit on the show. It was like, how come he only threw the ball a handful of times in the second half? Yes, but when it comes to Stidham opening up the offense, yes, it looked like he had more freedom in the offense. And when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, would he trust him? Of course you would have that trust in Aaron Rodgers because not so much is it, hey, do you know the plays? Not, that's not what we're saying when we say open up the offense, but is do we trust you enough to execute the plays? Not do you know like oh, who's, whose route is where? Can you make that throw there? Can you put that pass there? Do we have the confidence in you to execute the play? Not so much that do you have the knowledge of the playbook. Right, exactly. Uh, got a text for the five and dime. Only way a trade has worked is if teams think he's worth at least that contract. If they don't, as Vinny is saying, then how does it make sense that teams would give up picks for a player that they think is overpriced uh, from the five one zero? And you're you're not wrong. That's the thing about it. You know, if if they feel like that, that's the that's the deal that is a good deal, and they're okay with that, unless they can restructure it. See, that's the other thing with them having conversations now. That agent could say, "All right, let's restructure this," or or we feel like we we can get a restructure out of it. So there's you know there's a bunch of different elements to it, but it's got to make sense for both sides. I think that's the biggest key, and I'm not trying to dispute that. <laughs> I'm just talking about the fact that the report is out there that now they have permission, whereas at the beginning of the week. There wasn't any permission. So there's that. Let's take a quick break. I think Mark is uh, pulling up right now. He's going to be heading into the radio station. So when we come back, Mark Ross, XFL, executive VP. He's been all over the NFL. He's got a couple Super Bowl rings uh, with the New York football giants. We'll talk to him about the XFL and the relaunch. We'll do it next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 316 is the time here on Unnecessary Roughness. Rare Nation Radio 920. My man, DeMond Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. And before we took a break, we were talking about the game that Derek Carr threw like seven passes in the second half, and I couldn't remember what it was. And Bruce reached out to me by way of Twitter and said it was the Rams game, and I'm still pissed that McDaniels did that. That was from Bruce on Twitter. Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Joining us now in the phone lines, as promised, is the executive vice president of football operations for the XFL, our friend Mark Ross. And, Mark, I apologize for not being in the studio, but how's everything going? How are you doing? Yeah, man, I was waiting for you and all. What kind of hospitality is this out in Vegas? <laughs> I'm about to go back to Texas, man. What's going on out here? But thanks are going great things are good going great. good 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 we're excited about the xfl we're excited about your opportunity that you have and i mean you've been around the nfl game for a long time you've been uh you've got a couple super bowl rings with the giants and now you're taking on this adventure with the xfl how exciting is this and how big of a challenge is this well it's a huge challenge because it's never been done before but uh, for me it was i was always part of the nfl machine so you know you just go for a team and you know things are going to roll for this it's the excitement of this hasn't been done before. We can make history. We've got an outstanding ownership group led by Danny Garcia, of course, uh, Dwayne Johnson and Jerry Cardinal of Redbird Capital, who really their passion, their commitment, their desire to make this make this work and to put a great uh, executive team in place myself, but also our president, Russ Brandon. Uh, our senior vice president of player personnel, Doug Whaley. Well, you know, we've got over 30-plus years of experience, uh, 60-plus years of experience in the NFL, excuse me, combined with us. Uh, our coaching staff, super excited about the guys that we hired. A lot of Hall of Famers, national champions, Super Bowl MVPs. We got a whole mix uh, from the ownership to the executive team to the head coaches that we're really excited about. 
Mark Ross is in studio with us right now. He's the executive vice president right there, football operations of the XFL. And when it comes to putting together a team, I mean, you've been there, done that, as I mentioned, a couple Super Bowl rings with the Giants. You're putting together a team. Now you're putting together a whole league. I mean, how, how much bigger is that challenge, just putting it all together and making sure it goes and everyone has a great opportunity? Yeah, it's completely opened up my skill set. It was always about, hey, let's just scout players and bring the best players on the team. But when I got involved, you know, I'm on, on, in charge of equipment and video and health and safety and performance and all of that that I had to sort of learn. You know, I, I had the foundation for it and saw it all and interacted with everybody on a team being a part of that. But now just doing it all from the ground floor has just really been extremely exciting for me, rewarding for me. And just our group that we have is so supportive. I mean, it's really one big family because we know we're all in this together and we got to support one another from the business ops uh, to the media side, to the players, to the coaches. It's one big family that we know we got to work this thing. And, and the strength of all of us together is how this league is going to thrive and survive. So, yeah, it's a it's a huge challenge, but there's so much commitment. There's so much passion with everyone involved from top to bottom. I mean, we just have so so much outstanding personnel involved with this that and we're going to make this thing work. Mark, something that I wanted to ask you about is the rules when it comes to the extra point. How does it go about where it comes, like the the rules in the league and making it not so much different from the NFL, but giving the XFL its own twist and making it unique? Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to be, it's real football. Like, first of all, it's no gimmicky stuff going mm-hmm. on as past iterations of the XFL was. It's real football, but we got some innovative twists. You mentioned with the extra point where – you have a three, you can go for three, two, or one uh, p- uh, points depending on where you line the ball up. You won't see a lot of kicking because these, these coaches are going to want to go get those points. So things like that, our overtime rules are going to be innovative. And uh, uh, we have Dean Blandino who's in charge of our, our officiating crew and rules. So Dean is putting his spin on certain things that he likes. Uh, and other, in the last iteration we had the kickoff rule where that was kind of neat where they only line up. Uh, 10 yards apart on the kickoff, 10, 20 yards apart for the kickoff, so there's not that whole run-up to to avoid injuries. So that's going to be an exciting part of it. And we're doing all these things because we think it's exciting, but also we've got a, a sort of a, a, a partnership with the NFL where we'll implement these things, and if they like what we're doing, then they can implement it in, their, in the NFL games. And they like to do what they – have their vision of doing a lot of things. They just can't do it in real time. So with us, we can do these things, and if they like it, they'll say, you know what, let's try that in our game as well. Mark Ross is in studio with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Mark, you mentioned it was it's not gimmicky like the last iteration <laughs> of the XFL. How important for you was that, that it wasn't gimmicky? And, and not only you, but the players, the coaches, I mean, as you mentioned, plenty of Hall of Famers. How important was that aspect? That was paramount, and – there's still even that stigma now where people ask, hey, are you going to do the running out, you know, the he hate me stuff? Is <laughs> Vince McMahon coming out wrestling? There's still some of that, but we're going we're gonna to completely make sure that that gets thrown away. But, yeah, everybody involved with this, that this is serious, real football, but we're just being the league of innovation. That's what we always say. Our tagline is the league of innovation. But we have serious football people involved with this who want to play serious football but just – enhance it in certain ways look the nfl is the nfl they're they're always going to be king no matter what but we want to be right there with them as far as helping them out in certain ways and the real way to do that is to have real football 
and we've got dudes that are out there now in our training camp down in the, the Dallas area, the Arlington area, who are giving it their all and knowing that, hey, this is my life here and I'm getting it done. So, again, just running down the list of the people that we have involved with this from top to bottom is serious football people who are going to put a serious football product on the field. Something that I wanted to ask about, you mentioned the, the kickoff rule and how that's a little bit different from the NFL. What are some other things that are involved in the XFL where player safety is being put first? Maybe not so much better than what the NFL is doing in terms of player safety, but maybe just a little bit differently. Well, you know, practice rules, we're we not going to have the players, and that's behind-the-scenes stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, our, our, our health and safety, our, our vice president of health and safety, Carrie Gordon, who actually went to UNLV, Shout out. She, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she has put a lot, implemented a, a lot of initiatives and for practice rules to make sure that these guys are not hitting each other a lot. They're off the field, getting their plenty of rest. Uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of partnerships with outstanding medical practices. One one thing is this, this uh, thing called iSync, where it sort of detects concussions in real time uh, on the field. It's it's like a shield you put on, and, and it kind of tracks your eye movement to, to determine the con- concussions. So we have a partnership with Pedialyte. You know, we're just trying to do a lot of different initiatives that with cutting edge companies so Mm -hmm. we're the league of opportunity and innovation and we tried to partner with companies who also had that vision maybe not the biggest or or been established but companies that look we've got an outstanding product let's test it out with the xfl let's see if it works and let's see if we can expand and grow Something else that the, the Senior Bowl is going on. The Shrine Bowl was here in Vegas just a couple of days ago. What's the scouting looking like? I know that the season's right around the corner, but, hey, you got to be thinking about next season too. When it comes to the scouting, is it a year-round thing, or does each team have their own scouting department, or is an XFL as a whole scouting team? Yeah, so each team has their director player personnel, but you know we have a lot of experience in the scouting mm-hmm. with uh, from in the league office. And so we'll kind of – scout the senior bowls and shrine games and the combine we'll do that now while the teams are in the middle of the season and they they've always got they've got daily transactions over the waiver wire guys getting cut so they always have to be cognizant of what's going on in real time uh, but we'll take care of sort of still scouting for the future so it's really a non-stop process you know last year it was easier because we didn't have a season and we were just building it out they just were, were we built teams from scratch you know, and it was eight teams had to be built from scratch, and now you're just really maintaining those teams. But yeah, those guys do an outstanding job. We've got all the film, we've got all the practices. We always have an eye on the NFL and guys that were on NFL practice squads. We got 50 of those guys in our league now, so we really have to have an eye on all sort of leagues to get to acquire our talent. Mark Ross is our guest. He's the executive vice president of football operations of the XFL. And, Mark, we just have a couple more questions for you. And, look, we're going to be in Arizona leading up to Super Bowl 57. That's February 12th. February 18th, the XFL season gets started. How smart and strategic was that to, less than a week later, <laughs> be ready to be on the gridiron and go? We never thought about that. That, that is a coincidence. <laughs> like, what? Super Bowl's next week? <laughs> no, man, that was, that was hey, everybody, we, the, all the studies that we had, people still love football and wanted football. What better way after the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl hangover? Well, mm-hmm. now you don't have a Super Bowl hangover. You can just keep drinking football and go get your shot and a beer, and let's just keep going with the XFL. NFL and and all four games that we have opening weekend with a, with some exciting football and 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 football fans will get to see hey we've got an outstanding product obviously not going to be at the Super Bowl level with the two great, greatest teams on earth playing each other but hey here's a, a here's a way for all fans to get involved 
and check out the exciting product we're going to put on the field. So it definitely was a strategic uh, uh, decision on our part. We got a text from our good friend Raider Fish in Berkeley, listener of the show on the don'tbebroke.com text line. He said, my XFL question, I enjoyed the mic'd up situations in the huddle and on the sideline and getting a glimpse of the officials officiate replay at the games. How would that be implemented this year? We're going to have all of that. We're, we're going to let nice. the fans get into the game and feel what it's like to be on the sideline, to feel what it's, to, what it's like to be in the locker room, to feel what it's like a coach yelling at a player. You know, we won't have some of the negativity. We had the, some, last, last time they had interviews with a guy missed a field goal, like, hey, man, uh, tell me about that field goal. <laughs> we won't have that. We'll keep it all the positive spin going on with it. But that's, we're going to be a league of access for fans. With, you know, that's going to be really our calling card to have fans feel like they are 100% a part of what's going on on the field. And the access is through those sort of initiatives of, of hearing players mic'd up cameras, places where you haven't seen them before, and access to different things that you haven't seen before in a football game. Have you seen or noticed any challenges? Have the teams talked about challenges since everyone is practicing there in Arlington and then traveling like the Vegas Vipers led by Rod Whitson? Obviously, they're coming all the way back to Vegas. Have they found that to be any challenges, or is that okay? Well, we haven't done it yet, so we don't right. know. But, uh, but right now, everybody's talking a good game. But, no, we've got a great infrastructure set up for – we have all our practices down there at four different facilities, and each weekend – it's basically a road game. There's a home team, mm-hmm. but you know three teams will have the four teams will have to travel to go play a game somewhere. We do have team, three teams in Texas, so those guys will bus around. But the other teams will just jump on. Being a part of the NFL, that was what you did. You know, right. you practice on Saturday, go get on the, the the charter and fly to your game, come back the next night. So that's essentially what will be happening with four games over the weekend. And look, when we going back to hiring everybody, that was all part of it. Look. This is what we got. It's not the NFL. Mm-hmm. We're a startup with great funding from our owners, great fu- funding and, and, and passion from our owners. These are sort of the things that we're going to have to deal with. And everyone that's involved with this before they signed up knew that, and everyone was 100% ready to take on this challenge. When it comes to some of the advantages that the XFL may have against some of the other startup leagues that are out there, what do you think is going to be something that differentiates the XFL from the other leagues to say, hey, if your best shot to get to the NFL or back in the NFL is the XFL? Well, number one is the timing. Just so we yep. talked about the timing where our season is in the NFL offseason. We're done in May. The championship game is May 13th, and we're done. So that gives those guys, say, who are on NFL practice squads or with us during our season, play with us, show out so all these NFL teams can see what you can do, and you've got time in May, you got a month and a half, two months to get ready for an NFL training camp. So I'm not going to talk about other leagues. I just talk about our timing is perfect for mm-hmm. you to, for players to play in our league and then still be ready to go play in the NFL. That's the number one advantage, and we want that. We want players to play in our league and go to the NFL. I mean, people are still talking about the, the t- Taylor Heineke's and P.J. Walker's of the world, yeah. those sort of guys who made it. And we want 20, 30 of those guys because that shows the quality of our personnel and scouting departments of identifying talent, shows the quality of our coaches to develop those sort of players. And so we really want to showcase our players and have them go to the NFL because the stronger we have that product – and they go to the NFL, the stronger our product will be. I know the season hasn't even started yet, but you already mentioned the championship game happening in May. <laughs> Is that going to be at a neutral site location? 
Well, I can't disclose too much. Okay, I, 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 was trying to, I was trying to book my ticket already. <laughs> well, you, you might not, we'll give you the inside information after we get off the, the air here. But uh, <laughs> it, right. it'll be it'll be it'll be a great location. I love it. I love it. Well, Mark, we'll finish up with this. Uh, it's, it's, I love this uh, idea. I love the ownership, and I love that there's so many Hall of Famers. Like I said, uh, you know, Rod Woodson is the head coach of the Vipers. I think that's big for the players and the the league, just because it uh, you know it, it shows so much. Uh, it gives attention. You know, it's it, it's yeah. it's something that you have to pay attention to. But I did want to ask you. I mean, you've won a couple rings uh, in the NFL. You know, Super Bowl champion with the Giants a couple times. What does that feel like when you're hoisting <laughs> that Lombardi Trophy? It's indescribable, and and to do it twice, you know, you do right. it one time, it's like I'll never feel this again, and then you got another kid. You have another kid, would you get another trophy? But I mean, it's really everything people talk about and more, but it's really indescribable, and it's something whenever you bring it up, you know, especially this time, we were in the Super Bowl time, when I'm seeing all the old clips and highlights, the helmet catch and Manning, Manning to Manningham, and all that. Mm-hmm. It's just you get you get goosebumps every time I watch something or see it. And, you know, some nights I'll just sit around, just watch old replays of our playoff runs and stuff like that. It's just, it's just such a, such a special feeling. And whoever gets to hoist it, it'll it'll just be something that they'll cherish for the rest of their life. And that, and that's not just the players, but everyone that's involved in an organization, because when you win a Super Bowl, it really starts from every single person that, that puts their all into, into getting that, that trophy. So it's really just unbelievably special. Yeah, it's the ultimate team sport, and that's just not just the players. That's the coaches, that's staff, that's everyone involved in it. It is just it's the it's the hardest thing to achieve, but when it happens, it is awesome. Well, Mark, thanks so much. We appreciate you. We're excited about the XFL. We're excited about the Vegas Vipers. Obviously, season gets started a, a week following the Super Bowl. Matter of fact, six days after the Super Bowl, February eighteenth. Thanks so much for being in the studio. We appreciate you. My pleasure. Everybody, go get those Vipers tickets. Done deal. There he goes. Mark Ross right there. Fantastic stuff with him. So happy to have him in studio. Wish I was there with him. Executive Vice President of Football Operations. But DeMond was a very good host there. I definitely appreciate that, DeMond. And appreciate everyone at the XFL making that possible. Mark Ross, XFL Executive Vice President here with us on Raider Nation Radio 920. Coming up next, Mick Akers, Review Journal. He'll talk about the business side of things when it comes to the Raiders. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to my guy Mark Ross from the XFL Executive Vice President Personnel. Fantastic job. He's been around the NFL for a very long time. Very long time. Won a couple rings with the New York Football Giants. Sharp player personnel mind. It's funny. We actually had him on the show last year leading up to the draft. <laughs> he was talking draft with us last year when he was working for NFL Network. And uh, now we have him on, and he's the executive vice president there uh, with the XFL. That is awesome. I'm really happy for him and uh, hope that everything goes really well at the XFL. And I think what he said was key when he said timing. That is the biggest reason why this XFL has an opportunity to be successful is because of the timing. I mean, you're still on a high from the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden, oh, wait, there's football on. Cool. That's what's up. That's that's going to be good stuff. So uh, we're going to be getting Anthony Mick Akers in a few minutes. And uh, he's, oh, he's on the phone now. Okay, cool. Let's not wait any longer. Mick Akers from the RJ joins us now on the phone lines. And Mick, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you, my man. And anytime there's something going on on the business side of things, I always like to go to you because you're, you're my guy. You're Johnny on the spot. So Boyd Gaming is official uh, and exclusive local casinos now, the Raiders and Allegiant Stadium. What does that entail? Like, what, what kind of differences could we see now that Boyd Gaming is involved? 
Yeah, so it's just, you know, the next of the various partnerships they have with uh, resorts here in the, in the Valley. So we're going to see some uh, Boyd Gaming logos go up in the stadium, uh, you know, different properties they have throughout the Valley. So uh, they'll be adding that before the season. It says they're rebranding the west side of the stadium's upper deck uh, to add some of the Boyd uh, Gaming property uh, logos there. So, you know, expect to see them throughout the stadium and then also expect – you know, they see some of the Raiders branding inside their casinos as well, because many times this happens, it's kind of a vice versa. Raiders will use Boyd things, and then Boyd will use the Raiders thing. So whenever you hear gaming, whenever you hear casinos, you, I am automatically start, start thinking about kiosks. I start thinking about sports books. Is there any kind of changes like that that could be coming to Allegiant Stadium, or is it just straight sponsorships? Uh, just the sponsorship thing. It's, you know, if they wanted to add some kind of sports book in the stadium, they have to go through the legislature, and that would mm-hmm. be a long process. You know, I wouldn't count it out somewhere down the line, but uh, as it stands now, it's just going to be, you know, just branding and partnership deals like that. Mick Akers from the RJ is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So uh, one of the things I noted as soon as Sandra Douglas Morgan was hired was the fact that, you know, she has so many ties and relationships in the gaming industry here in town. How much of her ties and her relationships went into this uh, partnership here? You know, I assume it played a, at least a small role. Obviously, the, the Raiders have over a dozen founding partnership deals is what they also label this one. You know, they have them with all the major ones on the strip, MGM, Caesars, mm-hmm. Win, all that. And you'll see their logos when you walk through the stadium as well. So, uh, you know, it's just, I would assume maybe just a little bit, but they already had these, you know, these relationships, you know, long before she came aboard as president. Again, Mick Akers is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. On the say roughness, DeMond's got one for you. Q hinted at it a little bit when he's talked about, you know, maybe kiosks or something like that. But would it be possible for maybe if you go to a, a Boyd property, let's say the Aliente for an example, that you could see a Raider-sponsored machine? Are we any step closer to the league having partnerships like that when it comes to gambling? Yeah, um, I would assume, you know, maybe that can happen down the line. I, I'm not sure if there's any kind of rules against it. I know that the NFL is partnered with some gaming companies and they're coming out with some slot machines that are NFL themed. So, you know, that is already on the pipeline there. So uh, I, I wouldn't count that out. But, you know, I haven't seen anything just like that yet. And also now I want to move it over to the Pro Bowl because I saw that you were out there <laughs> with the skills competitions yesterday. And Cassie Soto earlier, she mentioned that the Review Journal would have a pretty good dodgeball team. I'm not going to ask you about your dodgeball skills, but what was the atmosphere like out there yesterday? Because it is a bit of a different format with the skills competition just being played inside of the Raiders facility as opposed to outside or even, you know, with the event, it's just changing overall the Pro Bowl. That was a cool energy. A small crowd is more of an invited friends, family, and then a couple of community groups. So you, you got some kids from like the Boys and Girls Club in there. So you getting the first-hand look at some of these guys having, you know, having the fun on these different non-NFL like games like dodgeball, as you mentioned. Uh, so the kids got to, you know, interact with some of the players, some of the mascots that were there uh, messing around with the kids. You know, a lot of good energy. And it was the first time they ever aired it live. It's, you know, it's always been a taped broadcast on ESPN or whatever channel they put it on over the years. So this was the first time they ever did that live. So that energy, you know, kind of, you know, I think increased a little bit compared to years past just because of that, that live uh, aspect to it. How did you? How do you like the the changes that they're making to the Pro Bowl? How it's going to be a flag football game at Allegiant on Sunday, and you know, again, like Demond mentioned, everything that was going on at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center that kind of shows off Raiders HQ a little bit to other NFL players across the league, almost like a little bit of, hey, this is an open house. This is what uh, this is what we work with around here. But how do you like just just the different changes and the tweaks that they made? Yeah, you know, so far the 
all the skill challenges, though, you know, they were entertaining. So, you know, those go so far. I would say I have to wait till Sunday as far as getting an opinion on the flag part. Uh, you know, obviously these players are competitive. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm assuming it's going to be pretty entertaining, but I would, I would say wait until Sunday to, you know, pass the final judgment on that part. Right, absolutely. Mick Akers is our guest from the RJ here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Go ahead, Devon. I know we all saw the clip from Ryan Clark last night with Derek Carr, <laughs> and, you know, he's talking, hey, that's why they're shipping me out because he's never been that hot in Vegas. That's just one clip, but you were there live. What did, it, what did Derek Carr's body language, I'm not trying to read too much into it, but how did Derek Carr seem to be in the Raiders facility? And you also had a tweet that pointed out he wasn't wearing any Raider-themed gear with his Pro Bowl stuff. Yeah, so his shirt ended up having one on, but like when he was walking around, most of the players had some kind of logo, at least the AFC or uh, NFC. His was just the NFL. He made a joke about it, saying, "I guess I'm a NFL player right now." So he, you know, <laughs> was making you know making light of the situation. So um, you know, his body language is pretty good. It seemed like he was seeing some old friends that you know obviously worked at the Raiders and seen him around. So he was kind of, I guess, would be giving him his final goodbyes. I would assume that would be. So you know, he's kind of doing that thing, and then. I guess he was getting some words of encouragement from uh, some of the other players there, like Peyton Manning and such. So, you know, it seemed like a little bit of, you know, happy things, getting some advice and then saying some uh, good advice. Mick, before we let you go, I did want to turn our attention to baseball uh, because that's always going to be a subject, and the A's are always going to be a subject until they're not. Uh, I kind of feel like the inevitable is that they're going to be here sooner rather than later, but what is the latest and the greatest when it comes to the A's? My understanding is that there's actually some officials in town meeting with some other officials. Yeah, so on Wednesday, team owner John Fisher and President Dave Cavill were in town meeting with some resort owners and presidents on the north end of the Strip in downtown. Uh, so they're kind of focused on that Las Vegas Boulevard and Sahara site, the Las Vegas Festival Grounds, owned by Phil Ruffin, who owns Treasure Island, Circus Circus, and some other spots here in Vegas. So, you know, they kind of put their full support behind it and said, hey, we want to do this. They didn't have any kind of financial discussions from what I was told. So, you know, it looks like, you know, it's kind of building up this momentum. It's kind of stalling out in uh, Oakland, it seems like. <laughs> they missed out on some uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. Uh, you know, they had some meeting yesterday at the Coliseum and that Howard Terminal wasn't really brought up, even though the, the newly minted mayor was there. So, you know, it seems like, I don't know, there may be at a pass out there in Oakland. You know, this is dragging on now for almost two years. Uh, I, you know, I think the longer it plays out, I think it favors Las Vegas more than, than Oakland. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of feels similar to the Raiders saga, right, as it drug out and drug out and drug out. And every time they thought that they had hope, then it drug out and drug out. And I don't have to re rehash all that, but, man, it just seems like the same old song and dance. So do I get the – or is my kind of gut feeling correct that at some, some point the A's are going to be here? Well, right now, you know, it's kind of looking like that. I always, to, you know, try not to predict anything. You know, it's still when you still have both cities involved, I'm always going to keep it 50-50 because you never know what can happen. So, uh, but, you know, everything that's, you know, happened recently is, you know, falling in favor of Vegas and kind of out of favor in Oakland. So I'd say just as opening day rolls around, I think you know, we'll hear some more things out of Oakland um, and then potentially have the final site here in Vegas because they still are also looking at the Tropicana site. So, uh, yeah, once they have the final site here in Vegas, I think that's when you know that you know it's kind of getting serious out here. Yeah, and you know, final question for you is: uh, I thought I saw a piece that maybe you put out on the RJ about uh, what a billion dollar stadium that that the folks down there at the at the north end of Las Vegas would would kind of be behind. I, I don't know how they'd fund it, but they'd be behind kind of putting that thing up. Is that correct? 
Yeah, so, you know, they've always, the A's have always said, hey, we, we want to build a 35,000 retractable domes uh, ballpark, which, you know, would be around a billion dollars, maybe a little bit more now with, you know, inflation since they first had this idea. But, um, so yeah, the, the owners of the casino said, hey, we would love to have you here. Um, I don't think they mentioned about shipping in money or anything like that. Right. But, um, Gov- Governor Lombardo came out and said he wouldn't raise new taxes, but you know, there might be some kind of tax abatements or some kind of other, you know, um, benefits they can get to build out a new a ballpark to lure the A's here. So, you know, no new, no new tax is going to be coming on board like the Raiders got. So, you know, there's going to be some kind of ways they can work around this. So, you know, if they really want them here, I think they can get them here. Is there such thing as too much here in Vegas? Uh, from everyone I talk to, for all, you know, all kinds of team presidents, owners, all about to Adam Silver, uh, NBA, they say, hey, Vegas, they can, they can support everything, so I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, one quick question that I had, Uh-oh. speaking of can Vegas hold too much, when it comes to like all these arenas that are being proposed or even being built, I don't know if this is going to have many sports implications, but the sphere, how close are we that to that being operational and open? Yeah, so that's going to be done in November, just uh, just before the F1 race kicks off here, and that's going to be part of the the race circuit. There is going to be a little turn that goes around there in that parking lot. Uh, so that's going to be coming on in November. It's not geared towards sports, but uh, their president said that you know they could hold some boxing or MMA or WWE events there. So that's pretty much the only sports that will happen there. That's cool. I, I, I like it. I'm excited. And uh, like I said, you know, is, is there such thing as too much? I guess we'll find out because it seems like everything is coming here. I'm excited about it. I just know that it makes our job that much harder. But uh, that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. So, Mick, fantastic stuff as always, man. Appreciate you being Johnny on the spot for us. What do you got coming out on the RJ that we should be on the lookout for? Y'all have a new, uh, I have a Pro Bowl uh, look back today, uh, just kind of going over the live aspect. Uh, talk to NFL and ESPN about, you know, how different it was putting that on compared to a taped one. Uh, then I'll be going to the Super Bowl next week. So I'll be there Wednesday through the Monday. And I'll be, you know, doing some stories out of there, just kind of looking ahead to next year when the, when the big game's out here in Vegas. All right, well, check this out. When you're there next week, make sure you come by our table. We'll be there. Uh, our, our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, will be there. So come on by our table, man, and we'll, uh, we'll do some interacting and, and have a good time. All right, I'll see you guys out there. All right, see ya. There he goes, Mick Akers, the RJ, at Mick Akers on Twitter, uh, behind all the business side of things, and he's already preparing for the Las Vegas Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, and you know what? He ain't the only one. Please believe that. Las Vegas is already preparing, man. They are already on it, and so it is going to be... I mean, phenomenal, right? I mean, there were so many people when I was at the Shrine Bowl that I used to know from my time covering NFL or different events when I was in Texas, and they, everybody had the same thing to say to me at the Shrine Bowl Media Day. They said, Q, you no longer are traveling to things. Things are traveling to you. Like, we're all coming to Vegas now. And I said, yeah, that's absolutely right. And they're like, man, that is amazing. Everything is coming to Las Vegas, and we cannot wait till the Super Bowl next year. Everyone's going to be hitting you up for a place to stay. I'm like, man, I'm about to rent out the house like an Airbnb, man. You know, I, mean, I'm the, <laughs> I know what the Airbnbs go for, <laughs> so that's what uh, that's what I might think about doing next year. But it's going to be a whole lot of fun. 349 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number two. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk to Amber Theo Harris, Sirius XM Radio, also Silver and Black Show. She's actually in town working for Westwood One, doing a whole lot of Pro Bowl activities, talking to a lot of players. She covered the Silver and Black all season long, did a fantastic job. 
and she'll join us at 4 o'clock. We'll talk about the Pro Bowl being here in Vegas, all the activities going on, the players she's talked to. We'll also talk to her about the expectations for the offseason. That's how we started the whole show, but, man, it's been so fast and furious. So many things that we had going on. We started things off with Vinny Bonsignor talking about the news of Scott Turner, former offensive coordinator from the Washington Commanders, being added to Josh McDaniels' coaching staff. So that was one thing that started it off. And then Adam Schefter talking about Derek Carr has been given permission to speak, or at least his agent, his, his representation has been given permission to speak to teams that have agreed to compensation with the Raiders for a trade. So that got going. We just talked to Mick Akers about the Boyd Gaming official exclusive local casinos of the Las Vegas Raiders in Allegiant Stadium. That's going on. Talking about the offseason, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on the offseason? What, what ideally for you, what's the ideal offseason look like for the Raiders in your eyes? That's how we started the whole show. So, I mean, everything's been going fast and furious, and we also had a visit in studio from Mark Ross, XFL executive, vice president. So uh, it's been a fun show so far, and, uh, the fun's going to continue. Of course, we're going to hear from you as well, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. Our don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. Raiders said, Q, it's crazy. I used to be an all-Oakland guy, Raiders, A's, Warriors, and now here we are laughing my ass off. The city of Oakland officials are a joke. And Mailman Raider, I am with you 100%. That was me too. There was a time where I was so proud that I could say all my favorite teams played in the same parking lot. Right? I mean, that's, that's what it was. Every team that I'm a, uh, I'm a fan of played in the same parking lot. I can get off at the Coliseum BART station and go see any of my favorite teams play, the Warriors, the A's, or the Raiders. And now, poof, <laughs> nothing. Right? And, I mean, I'll tell you, it's funny. Like, I, I support being here in Las Vegas. I'm happy that the Raiders have this opportunity. I love Allegiant Stadium. I love the fact that the city is getting so many sports. I was probably the last guy that was on board with the Raiders coming to Vegas. I was one that was in denial for the longest. Everyone kept telling me, Q, they're going to end up in Vegas. I was like, the hell they won't. You know, like I, I, was, I was saying that. Oh, it's going to be terrible. You know, like I was very much 100% against it. And finally, at some point, I just gave in because, well, damn it, they needed a new stadium. They needed a new stadium. And then it really hurt my feelings when the Warriors moved across the bay. That one, as anyone from the bay knows, you pick a side, right? You don't pick the whole thing. You don't pick the whole damn Bay. You pick a side. Just like talking to Gary Payton the other day. I mean, we're, right? It's all about the East Bay for me. It's all about the East Bay. Even when I worked at the radio station in San Francisco, I reluctantly worked across the, the, the Bay in San Francisco. Right? That was not my favorite city. Everyone talks about the Bay Area and the old San Francisco. No, it's about the other side. It's about the East Bay. So, man, it, it, that, that hurt my feelings when the Warriors moved to the Chase Center there in San Francisco, and I, I still don't believe it's the same kind of vibe, but it's never going to be the same vibe, no matter what team it is, where they go. The Warriors will never be the same vibe as the, the Roracle, right? It just won't be. Uh, the Coliseum, uh, Allegiant Stadium, as fantastic as, as, as it is, it's not the same as the Coliseum. It never will be. There's no, there's no way it could be, right? And wherever the A's end up, it's not going to be like it was back in the, in the late 80s when they were winning the World Series, when they had 3 million-plus fans at the, at the game. I, mean, I remember used to see in the big, bright lights and on the billboard, it used to say, man, 3 million fans came through this season, or whatever the number was. It was huge because so many people would go out there. And this is before the, eight, or the Raiders came back, before they built Mount Davis, when you could see the Oakland Hills you know, from behind home plate. That was a great place, a great venue to watch baseball. I remember being at the Coliseum at one point. I think it was probably like 96 or 97. I was there with my mom, and we were sitting in center field watching the game. And literally, you could not see the ball go over the fence on a home run. I had to wait to see the people from, 
left field and right field react before I knew that the ball went over the fence because it's just the way that the stadium was built. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you, Mailman Raider. Uh, that was such a sense of pride being uh, a Coliseum proud, right? I mean, driving down 880 and being able to look over and be like, that's where all my teams play right there, right? All the Warriors, the A's, the Raiders, they're all right there at the Cali, right? It was the easiest drive, and there's the back roads too. You know, you could take 880 or you could take the 580 and drive through the city, right? We used to do it, ride down East 14, stop at Sealy's Liquor Store, pick you up a little something-something and head to the game. Right? I ain't lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Right? I mean, you know, you know I'm right. <laughs> anyone who's anyone knows I'm right. Stop at Sealy's Liquor Store. It's over 24 hours a day. Check, cash it, whatever the case may be. You can get anything you need at Sealy's. And we used to. On our way to the Coliseum. 358. Oh, and then go to Denny's right after the game because it was right there behind the Cali as well. 358 is the time we come back, kick things off with hour number three. Amber Theo Harris from Sirius XM Radio. She'll join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.